Hi, I'm Imogen Burrows, and I'm thrilled to be elected as Beaver's Junior Vice President. Join me and Lucy Grieve for this episode of Beaver's Pod Life as we chat about my journey so far and what's important to me to offer members over the next four years during my time on the presidential tree. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Beaver Pod Life. And today we have with us Imogen Burroughs, Beaver's new junior vice president. Hi, Imogen. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks for coming today. So Imogen, you're an ambulatory vet at Lingfield Equine Vets. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself to start with. Um, yeah, well, I'm, uh, what, what can I say, really? I have been in practice for just over 20 years, uh, 23, I think it's this year, counting, um, and always been, uh, with the exception of the first year, which was in some small and uh, mixed work to experience a little bit of anything, work myself into it, um, managed to find an equine job in the end of that first year, and I've been in equine work ever since. So, yeah, just a first opinion clinician. Um, experiencing all that comes with that and then been involved with Beaver on council since 2021 I think it is 2021 Uh, time flies when you're having fun very good (laughs) it certainly does and we've loved having you on council as uh, as I'm sure some of you will already know Imogen's been a very very um active member of council and and what what is it you've been doing on council what made you want to join in the first place and get involved with Beaver Um, Well, it was kind of something that I'd not really considered at all, actually. Um, And then I think, well, you and I had a conversation um, about something welfare related um, with some difficult ponies and some handling stuff. And I think then through that conversation, we just kind of connected and you'd sort of chucked it out there. And then interestingly, I happened to see Hugh Griffiths. working at an event um, down in the southeast here at the um, at Ardingly Showground. And um, I sort of said to him, you know, this is a crazy idea. I'm thinking about council. And he was like, oh, well, it'd be amazing. Like, let's do this. I've had so much fun. And I just thought, well, why not? You know, chuck your name in, see what happens. And I'd had a chat with a few people and quite a few people that had stood before were well known in the profession, hadn't managed to make it onto council at that point. And so I was a bit anxious but I figured in for a penny, in for a pound, if you don't actually ask the question of, you know, can I do it, then you never know. And um, a bit like this, a bit like the JVP role, um, same thing. I was just like, you know what, actually, let's just give it a crack and see if anyone votes for you and what have you. And I was, well, pretty much gobsmacked to to get on to uh, council in the first place and even more so to be kind of here today. But yeah, it's great. Loving it. What are the best bits of being on council, would you say? What are the bits you've enjoyed the most in the last couple of years? Um, I think really feeling, honestly, feeling like you actually contribute and give something back and you can have a voice and make a change um, in whatever small sphere that you um, have known. And um, obviously the social aspect is brilliant. Now, networking, there's such an amazing array of people on council. It's quite a wide group, even just the Beaver staff team, like the HQ people, um, you know, all of those kind of connections that you wouldn't necessarily come across. And it really opens the door to lots of other networking opportunities, which have been really amazing. And for someone like me that suffers quite uh, quite badly from imposter syndrome, you know, I'm constantly sort of putting, well, anyone that knows me knows I'm constantly, oh, I'm just a vet or I'm just a this, or, you know, I'm a, a humble so-and-so. And I sort of put me in a field of what is perceived as being, you know, people that you revered through through your 
um, career. Um, for example, Roger Smith, you know, I met first when I was an undergraduate and he was lecturing me um, as a professor then. So, you know, it's really nice to then actually build a, a different relationship on a different plane um, and realize that actually we're all just people doing our jobs with strengths and weaknesses in that and having conversations on committee meetings you know where you suddenly go well actually does anyone know about this and I go well yeah I know about that actually that's how this works and people go wow I never even knew that existed and you don't realize that you have an expertise within your own little field that um, other people that are experts and are at a higher level or what have you just really don't share so the the blend and coming together of of sharing of all those experiences you suddenly realize how much more you do have to offer than you ever thought you might um and i've loved that i've loved that discovery journey that's been so fun um and like i said that you know the social aspect the building of friendships building new relationships having a laugh coming together um whether that's at Congress, whether that's just at, at committee meetings or, you know, other other events throughout the year, um, it, it really does open opportunities and, and, and you know, so much fun to be had from it. It's great. That's sort of something that people often say, actually, I think when they come, well, certainly when I speak to them about going on to council, they often think that it's something that they, sh- they aren't worthy of doing yet or they don't haven't qualified to do yet and I think that's a it's a it's 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 really important that people know that I think all the members know that the whole point of council is that it represents the membership and so that's why it's so important to have people from all different aspects and like you've just quite rightly identified you know you might not think you've got the experience that is required to help make these decisions and discuss the industry-wide things that we talk about on council and in the committees but actually everybody's got experience of something if they've been in the profession for any length of time so um it's valuable wherever you've come from and it's important that people recognize that and, and think about considering council would you encourage other people to do it then i'm sure i'm assuming you would 120 percent. i mean like you said i think that Previously, um, anybody that's been through Beaver Council at any point um, in their career has recognised that there's been a huge shift towards increasing that diversity and that drive to it. And, you know, recruiting people that are onto council or encouraging them to stand and be elected, hopefully, for that are younger and earlier on in the journey of the profession. It feels like you have to, you know, earn your way to this rite of passage or have to have X amount of graduation qualifications and years served and all this. And it's absolute rubbish. Um, it really... In fact, the people at the other end, you know, that that are specialists and, and you know, those people that have been around the block in their career, I, I think really welcome that fresh idea and that input because we do, I mean, even I still feel like I came out of vet school and act like it often a lot of the time just for a chuckle. Um, and I see students a lot. So you end up in, engaging with them on a level. But I then realised that when I'm uh, with a client or something, how far I've come. And it's not until you're teaching someone or you're next to somebody, you suddenly realise you're not a direct peer and the same way in this you know but you you still have stuff to learn and stuff to, to offer and I think we want to encourage that inclusivity that diversity and by doing that it then it perpetuates itself other people will think hey I can do that um and I I actually will will chuckle um 
if she ever listens to this, which hopefully she will do, I'd encourage her to do it. One of, one of the partners at my practice famously said to me, oh, you know, I want you to prepare yourself, Imogen, that um, you might not get onto council because, you know, so-and-so stood last year and they didn't get elected and they know loads of people. And let's face it, down here in the southeast, you really don't know that many people that, you know, are key people that might know. And um, and I remember getting elected and, and being a bit blown away and then gathering and walking into the room saying, it's a bit awkward, but I'm going to have to have some time for some meetings and bits and pieces because it turns out I do actually know some people. And, and I'm not sure if I knew people or not, but I think what was obviously important is that the mandate or whatever I wrote and the video recorded and things came across and resonated with people. And and that's the same thing for the JVP. Something I put in there resonated. And, and obviously my... Um, colleague Alison who 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 stood for JVP as well um was really passionate and w- would have done and hopefully maybe she'll restand will will you know potentially make a fantastic um president future president uh, if so desired and you know Alison had so much to offer whoever was the winner if you like of that outcome but it was lovely to have a vote where people were able to consider their options have two totally different candidates from totally different walks of life and um, and I did think long and hard about whether to to stand against her just because I thought she'd be a great candidate. But then I thought, well, hopefully I will be too. And, you know, I think whenever you are trying to put yourself forward from that and you have that doubt, just remember that, you know, you do represent a bunch of people just like you. And that's how I feel I am. Hopefully I do represent the first opinion practitioner and and show that other people can, I'm not the first to do it by any stretch of imagination and hopefully I certainly won't be the last but it's nice to know that you can can put your name forward and actually have that sort of validated that that actually you've got something to offer and hopefully I will <clears throat> reward people that did you know and I'm very grateful that they did put their faith into me and and pop their vote down so yeah fingers crossed that I can bring something to the table to really deliver on what I've asked and set out that I would do. And so what is it that you'd like to achieve in the next four years whilst you're on the presidential tree? I mean, um, I think that there will be so many opportunities that arise over the journey that I can't perceive. But first and foremost, um, I think one of the things that's very um, passionate or I'm very passionate about, I should say, um, is uh, equine welfare. I mean, welfare in general, but equine welfare. And this has sort of developed over my career, which sounds a bit awful because it's not like I didn't go into my career caring about welfare. Of course I did. But I think very much I, and I can only really speak for myself, I I started my career journey with, um, you know, just trying to learn how to do my job, trying to learn how to examine a horse, trying to make a diagnosis, trying to make a treatment plan, a diagnostic plan, treatment plan. And you know, prognosticate and all the rest and just do a good job and offer service. And there's a lot of things you're chuckling. Um, <clears throat> and obviously in there, you have to balance the animal's welfare. And and I think we all subconsciously are doing it all of the time. But later, I, I, along the way, inadvertently, but very early on, I was exposed to um, the RSPCA caseload and um, witnessing witness work in court in an actual legal setting where I had to go to trial, had to write statements. And I was exposed to this sort of side of the pr- practice, if you like, the profession, that, that really a very small member um, of people get exposed to or choose to expose themselves to. And I found I really enjoyed it. And I, I, I felt like I was reasonably adept at it and I I thrived on it and I thought well okay I'll I'll welcome opportunities so I didn't seek them out I didn't go and work for a charity or anything like that but I just sort of sought out you know if there was a call that came in that involved that kind of thing I I would actively say yeah yeah I'll go 
Um, and uh, luckily, the practice I'm in now um, does a significant amount of that kind of caseload anyway. Um, and uh, one of the partners there, Rachel Afton, is very, uh, again, proactive. And we work closely with the police across three or four counties and and also the RSPCA. Um, and we built up really good re- relationships there professionally. And a lot of those guys are really good friends of mine now. And so the more it's like the more you do, it perpetuates a bit like anything, really, if you get your foot in the door and, and, and you kind of cut your teeth in in that area then then you're kind of finding the ins and outs of it but it is really a bit of a dark art and and to the rest of the profession so I guess I want to open that to the to the membership and and say you know like this this is something I think we all should be I think we should advocate for animal welfare and I think we should do it more proactively I think vets in practice are excellent clinicians they hone their skills in in that field but we're very much guilty sometimes some of us and I think most of us at some point are all guilty of treating a condition and, and not maybe optimizing the treatment for the animal and certainly not maybe for the owner. And I guess it's a bit of a, a phrase I've used over the years. I'm sure many people do in a different style. But I would say, you know, attached to the horse's condition, there is a horse and attached to the horse as an owner and attached to that owner, there's a family. And if you treat that condition, you'll be a good clinician. But I don't think you'll ever be an amazing vet. Because at the end of the day, that's where the art comes in. And we always talk about the art of veterinary medicine and people have their own views of what that art is. But I think that it's really important that we start to think bigger. And with some of the topics that Roger has brought to the, um, you know, uh, the table about social license, backed up by Rowley at World Horse Welfare and, and, and obviously... Um, within Beaver, we talk about the social license um, to operate a lot in equestrian sport. Um, and I think it's coming increasingly important. And it was considered, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, even it was a bit like, oh, you know, it was this this is ridiculous. This is the way we always do things. And, and we've been challenged to the point where we can't continue to practice the way we do. We can't continue to operate our equestrian disciplines the way we do. And that's become clear. And we need to build that trust with the industry, we need to have trust with our clients. We need to have trust with the greater public. Um, and <clears throat> equine welfare plays such a huge role in there. And I think as clinicians, we could really look at ourselves, reflect on our own activities and say, am I really at heart considering the welfare of that animal or was I just considering the clinical setting, the clinical disease? And and bring those two together. And I think what I'd like to do is, is make members aware of how we can do that, how we bring in welfare assessment how we see that. And a lot of that came from um, this year's Congress. Um, David Rendell brought a brilliant um, slant to it with the human behavior change and brought the forum where I was able to be involved with, you know, Maddie Campbell and Joe Hockenhall and Izzy Wilde and and Becky Smith on on that. I really loved the opportunity to get involved with the session to debate whether good health or welfare was, was, you know, what should we champion and are we really championing the right things and I think it definitely opened the door to the delegates that are in the room um, that we weren't always we did believe that we ought to be advocating for the animals welfare but potentially we were having to sacrifice that for what we felt was maybe the greater good and actually we need to think about that and consider just because we can should we and what is our role and where should we do it so I'd really like to start opening the door to those questions there's some really big topics really big questions but I, I think that we haven't, we've sort of peered in the closet and shut the door. And I think I'd really love to to bring that door wider and more open. I'd love to collaborate better with other organizations, learn from our small animal sector and large animal sector colleagues 
and other welfare charities, World Horse Welfare, have fantastic resources. RSPCA have fantastic resources. And I think grossly over the, the profession, we're, we're really largely in equine practice, unaware of what support is there for us, for our clients, for our horses. So as you can guess by the ramble, I'm particularly passionate about that area. So I think there's lots of different tools and resources I've got sort of bubbling away in my head. And I'd like to get those together and 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 work to bring some of those to to really make members feel like they can explore this area a little bit more with a bit more confidence and and um, build a resource and support network um, of of where to access information, who to speak to and 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 hopefully just get us to if I can walk away after four years and have literally just asked every clinician to look in the mirror. I'll feel like I've done something worthwhile. And I think that's that's a really important aspect, isn't it? Like you said, you know, we all have to not only think about all these things from an industry-wide perspective and a profession-wide perspective, but as individuals. And it's important we all look at the mirror, as you said, and, and think about how we, how we answer those questions because we are going to be asked them, aren't we? I think, you know, from the sports to, you know, how us as a profession act in terms of the ethics to ourselves as individuals and how we work with clients on an individual basis that's very much going to be coming under the spotlight more and more so as you say and how we work with how we work with the animals you know Gemma Pearson's work has been integral and you know uh, going forwards a lot of the behavioral um, science is coming out much more um, and the plenary lecture that Gemma gave was was really inspirational and it's you know, anyone that's seen Gemma talk particularly or or come across her knows the, the depth of knowledge she has, but the way in which she communicates it, much in the same way Tamsin Furtado communicates, you know, on her subject, on how to communicate and things. Those people are really just influential in my career in, in really shaping what I've become over the last four or five years, rightly or wrongly. Sorry, guys. Yeah, and that's your fault. Um, but honestly, have made some really key changes to how I practice. And I would urge anyone to that's getting to the stage where you've been in practice a while and and maybe things are a bit mundane, maybe they're a bit dry. We always have, like, every day is different. Of course it is. But actually, with any work, when you become more comfortable, it becomes dull. And and I think retention and recruitment is something that we're so aware of. Other, the guys on the presidential tree as well, Roger's looking at that. Um, and, and, you know, Hugh, obviously, the huge amount of work in there. And that work will continue, and I will definitely support in that. Um, and also the nursing side of things, I'm massively passionate about that and, and bullying that. But Marie, Marie Rippingale's done huge amounts. Dave Rendell obviously brought that to the table as well in the, in the discussions at council this year and, you know, with Marie's committee, nursing committee and, and all of that. So that is going to continue to go on because I know Roger's very passionate about that. Bruce is, is passionate about that and I'm passionate about that. So hopefully this journey will will certainly evolve and continue. But I guess what I'm saying is alongside the aspects of mine, it it. it you know, for me, it sits alongside where I can say, well, this is a different thread where you can pick up and give new, new um, discovery into a, into a career you thought you had, but actually can evolve in a totally different way. And we're trying all of us, I think, to bring things to say, hey, guys, this profession is great. This profession is something to be proud of. And at times we've questioned ourselves and said, are we as good as we could be? And I, again, it's just one of my little phrases that I use on students. It's like, do what we do, but let's do it better. And if we can do that and just keep building on each other's successes, um, then, I th- then I think we've we've left a legacy we can be really proud of. It's important. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting few years, I think, Imogen. And you've certainly got lots, lots and lots that you're really willing to contribute, which I think will benefit everybody. 
Thank you very much for speaking to us today. And um, we look forward to hearing more from you. And certainly the projects and the work that you, you are involved in, we'll be talking to you about that more and more in podcasts, I'm sure. So thanks again for coming. And uh, we'll catch you You're soon. So welcome. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.